was the Mind Over Movies theme song composed by Devin Savoy. Thank you for um, listening today. This is Mind Over Movies. I'm Isaac. And I'm Casey. And today we're going to be having an exciting discussion about the Batman and mm-hmm. going into full spoilers. Yes. You're going to want to stick around to find out what we have to say about that, but yes. that's coming up that's later coming in up. the hour. Yeah. Before that, we're going to discuss uh, over our two weeks that we've been... Um, We've been on a um, that we've been away. Um, we're going to discuss the films that we have seen, uh, digested. We're going to go over those, maybe some analyses of a couple of those. Um, mm. Yeah, and then after that, we'll get into the Batman stuff, and then we'll do our normal outro, maybe with a funny skit at the end. Wow, that sounds like a mighty like a mighty good itinerary. Yeah, I um, agree. Well, Casey, what kind of what kind of movies did you watch uh, while we were gone? Um, so. Aside from the obvious one, I, I I caught Chloe Zhao's newest Eternals. Oh my gosh, a masterpiece of, yeah. of, of, of modern film. How did you feel about it? It was shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, no, it was. Uh, it was. Um, it's it's like it's not as bad as like I thought it was gonna be, but it's still just like it just like wasted my time so much that I was like, yeah, two stars, like fuck this. It was it was really confusing to like give it a rating because like yeah. you know there's there's like so much like technical mastery on this yeah. place that like I, I I feel like Chloe Zhao is definitely like one of the better directors to have made a Marvel movie. Right. It's just like what the movie is yeah. is such a fucking mess and like. Not good. I mean, like, I want to admire it because mm-hmm. it's not like other Marvel movies. Yeah, it's not. But in fact, though, it, it is worse. <laughs> yeah. It's like bad. That's the paradigm that I'm in because it's like, oh, I really want to like this because it is different. It's like, it is truly different than every other Marvel project. It doesn't feel like a Marvel project. It, it's, you know, it's. Other than it's like so, the Bollywood guy. Right. That, that, yeah, that yeah. guy feels like Marvel this written Marvel, all over him. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we love him because he's quirky and different and he's normal, <laughs> but he's hanging out with those not normal guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, with the exception of that, it felt very different. Um, and, and honestly, the, the climax uh, is the best use of CGI with the, with the Eternal coming out of the. Uh, oh, yeah. Of the Earth. But like, if it wasn't for the fact that they overuse CGI in the rest of the movie, I think that would have looked even more impressive. Well, tell me why the fuck, like, the, the main main monsters, like, the... The deviants? Well, yeah, the deviants. Mm-hmm. They look, like, so PlayStation 2. But anytime it cuts to, like, the big, like, Celestials, those shots are, like, the best VFX right. work Ever. in, like, years. <laughs> I know, the Celestials look fucking amazing, especially at the end when it's coming out of the ocean, like... That that scale, like the scale mm. of that, was amazing, and it looked great. And oh my god, you got a new TV? Yeah, I did. Oh, oh my, my gosh, god. have you not noticed? No, it? I didn't notice it. Wow, it's that's been amazing. there the past couple times too. Believe what, it really? or not, yeah. <laughs> did I? What the fuck? Well, it looks great. I, I bet your movie watching experiences are much better. Oh, for sure. I did. Yeah. I did a Dune screen test oh, yeah. yesterday because I remember on my old TV, I, I started Dune up on HBO Max <laughs> after I'd seen it in the theaters, and it was like. 
yeah. But this time I was like, whoa. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like this is this is some good shit. This right. this is my first TV I've bought on my own, and I'm so happy about good, it. Facebook good. Marketplace, little gym. Nice. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, a. <laughs> wait, what were we? Oh, Eternals. Eternals. Yeah. I, okay. Here's my theory though: is that the big guys, the Celestials, they they don't move like at all. So it's like, of course, you could make it a really detailed. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you, you're just a, essentially hiring a digital artist to like paint one frame and then you don't have to fuck with it anymore exactly yeah yeah i agree it's <laughs> that's weird yeah um but yeah i didn't much i didn't much care for it i didn't um, i did not much uh fancy i didn't fancy the italian what, what what's what's uh what's trade the, off here what'd you watch i i'm kind let me uh, get that back up. <laughs> oh, dear <laughs> God. I feel so unprepared. I feel- oh, wait. Okay. So, other than the obvious one, another release in the modern cinemas that I teased mm-hmm. last episode, I-, I went and saw Death on the Nile, which yes. I can't believe that's been since our hiatus. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. um, and I-, I don't know. It's exactly what you'd expect. Like, if you saw mm-hmm. Murder on the Orient Express, like, Brana's not making a movie that's too different from that. Um, it's full of Brana isms, which which I I think is um like at at, at times like very competent directing, and mm-hmm. then suddenly it's like oh why would you ever do this? Yeah. Um, I I think the biggest thing about Death on the Nile is they really needed to like shoot some like on location scenes for this movie yeah. because all of the like transitions that you CGI like they have a shot where they're in a a river and they like zooming up and there's like fish and everything. And it looks so fake. It's so CG. And then later, they do have like a real shot where they put the camera in real water and it looks great. And it's like, why wouldn't you just like film the water? And there's a shot of the sky like that too. It's like, why not film the sky and put like a filter over it? Like, why have you got to make like a a fucking (laughs) CGI? Okay, that's just the thing is Brana makes choices that are like, crazy to me and he's not subtle as a director at all like no. if there's something that can be said about his version of hamlet too that i feel like people don't talk about yeah. too much is that the play is full of subtlety and like doubt it's like hmm maybe the murder at the heart of it didn't happen the way we know but brana is like oh here's a flashback detailing exactly how yeah. it happened <laughs> like oh here's a here's a scene uh, showing that this isn't just an innuendo. This is actually what that means. And right. Like, I, I don't know. He's just very on the nose. And so it, all that said, I, I like this movie <laughs> a lot because <laughs> it's a murder mystery movie and it's fun. And Perot is a fun character. I love him so much. And I don't know. Death on the Nile is definitely a worse made movie, but I liked it more than Murder on the Orient Express because it, it was just more personal the story at the heart of it and even mm-hmm. though the acting was worse like it was funny at right. least like gal gadot gives a way more memorable performance than anyone in the first movie <laughs> and it's just because she's so bad yeah right <laughs> this movie helped me realize that gal gadot is just actually not a good actress right, like, I, yeah. I, I don't know i finally made my peace with it like because <laughs> I, I used to really want to defend her you know especially because mm-hmm. of wonder woman and i think she plays that role really well but it's yeah. like she's not a great actress. Nah, <laughs> She's <yeah>. a model. <laughs> yep. Unfortunately, I still I'm uh, I need to see Death on Now. Still, I'm excited to watch it because I yeah. do like the Perot movies that the little universe he's creating. I loved Murder on the Orient Express. Thought it was fine, fun. 
So yeah, I do like fun. mysteries as well. So yeah, that's part of like Knives Out was like like people fucking love Knives Out, and now that they, like if you think back on it, like yeah, it was a good film, but I, I think what shot it into the stratosphere is the fact that it was a murder mystery, and like audiences eat those up. Yeah, like, just just I mean I eat them up. They're just so fun. So um, yeah, excited to watch. I'm excited to watch that. So. Well, I feel like that's like the whole like um like longevity of like shit like Law and Order and um C- uh, CIS is like people just love going through a, a mystery like that and trying to figure it out for themselves, right. guessing the twist. Yeah, you know that's where that all comes from is like trying to guess the killer. You know, yeah, a story true, like this. true. Um, okay. I, the The next film I watched is a film that came out early this year, like within the first two weeks of 2022. It's a Netflix original, um, and it's. Uh, an animated film called The House. Oh, the, the the stop motion one. Yeah, that looks really interesting. I, I still want to see that. It that it, it is. It's interesting. That's like the that, that's something I could say about it. It's interesting. Like okay, <laughs> I so I liked it. Obviously, the animation's really good, really well put together. Um, it's just what it was trying to say. What it what um the themes um make no fucking sense. Um, but like obviously you know, a rewatch could help. Um, it's basically an anthology. There's three different stories. Um, and supposedly they all take, it's all about the same house. It's oh. one house, but in every story, I thought it was a different house until I read the synopsis and it said it was the same house. Ah. It's just, everything looks different, but obviously you can see on the poster. Um, it, it is the same house. Um, the first story is really fucking dark and like, terrifying oh no Um, and the second story is a little less terrifying but it's still kind of like horrifying to watch like it jumps between uh humans there's a story about humans a story about mice and then a story about cats and they all live in the same house the one with the cats is the most like depressing one um but i think um the other two are just really weird kind of just terrifying oh god Um, and they all have different just like themes um that i can't really dissect um but the animation is really good and it was interesting and it wasn't boring i tell you that it's not a boring film uh it's only an hour and a half flies by it's interesting to watch visually it's very pretty um it just didn't make a lot of sense to me but i liked it um so i i I recommend watching and seeing what you can extract from it yeah hell yeah i might i might need to wait till i have someone to watch it with stop motion's kind of like freaky already yeah and then when they make like horror stop motion i'm like oh god <laughs> right. there's black i don't i don't know how to describe it but stop motion gore is the freakiest <laughs> to me yeah the first the first story is like the scariest one like the first little part of the film it's uh it's pretty terrifying i uh Shit. especially in stop motion like it, it it's just weird. I would highly, if anything, watch the first <laughs> first story of this little anthology thing. Um, okay, it's cool. It's cool. I liked it. Um, I uh I started like kind of a Criterion like bender okay. after after Batman. Um, sorry, yeah, we watched Batman. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, I I watched Eight and a Half, uh-huh. which Let's is a go. movie that has been on my watch list for a while. Um, it's like. David Lynch's favorite movie, and then also maybe Martin Scorsese's. Yeah, like, Martin Scorsese loves Fellini. Yeah, he's he's like I, I watched the whole like twenty minute interview of Martin Scorsese talking about Fellini. I was like, man, this is awesome, right? Uh, even though I haven't seen very much Fellini, so this was my first. 
Yeah. Um, and I've heard later that it's better if you watch like his movies in the order they were made because they kind of feed into each other. And it's mm-hmm. meta in the title. It's his eight. Ne- it's his eighth and a half feature because he had right. like a short film or something that he God, did too. Yeah. Um, and this movie is really really cool. Like I can definitely tell where like Lynch watched this movie and got like a bunch of ideas for how he wanted to make something like Eraserhead. It's just like a, a very interesting blend of reality and and um things becoming literal in one moment and then in the next being like drawn out fantasy sequences and it's just really cool um and and very meta and honestly when i first was watching it i was like i don't know maybe i'm a little bit bored in these parts or whatever but the thing was it was on my mind like for the next few days and like I really wish I hadn't rated it right after I watched it because I, I, I grew to like it more and the right. more I thought about it and I'm even kind of thinking about like rewatching it this week right you know? yeah I, and, and that's rare like mm-hmm. but it was just such a good movie that I, I, I want to like see if I caught everything in it yeah um, that's interesting I, I've seen a Fellini movie I can't remember which one was but... it Lestrada? No, I think it was. Um, I get a bunch of the French New Wave directors mixed up a lot of the times, so I, I get confused. Um, Could have been Godard. I've seen a few Godard films. Where was the what did did he do? Films? Breathless. Uh, Godard did Breathless. Yeah, yeah, I started that the other day. I didn't. I didn't get too far into it though. It, it didn't exactly like catch my interest which i was kind of disappointed by right well you godard's godard's hard to get into there is a i've seen uh, some godard i like some i don't uh, one of my favorite movies is a godard film that's let me pretty it's content that's my favorite one but honestly it makes a lot more sense if you've seen all of godard stuff to watch contempt i watched it i only haven't seen like two godard movies and then oh, i was wow. like i love this <laughs> but uh yeah, uh, La Dolce Vita. I started watching. Um, I, there's, it's hard to find this movie though because ah. it's um, it's on YouTube in 720p. That's the only place I can find it. Really? Yeah, I'm gonna have to do another search because it was a year ago when I started watching it. But yeah, I do need to see Eight and a Half though. I yeah. Really do. Yeah, I, I I'd say that um, I I see why any self-respecting like film buff like mm-hmm. watches it like definitely. A bunch of people wear this movie as its influence on their sleeve, you know. Yeah, for sure. I hear Light Years going to do that too. <laughs> That's crazy. That is so what? fucking. They were weird. talking about French New Wave being an inspo. <laughs> oh, but I'm so interested if it actually is. Like, if the movie looks like it's been inspired, it's going to be so cool. That'd be that'd be interesting. A Buzz Lightyear hangout movie, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, okay, so this next one, I, I won't say too much about this one because the next one I watched, I know that you rewatched, and so I wanted to talk with it about you. Oh, uh, yes, let's, yeah, let's the, do it. The first one, though, is uh, I, I watched West Side Story. Ah, uh, did you like? It was good, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, you didn't, you didn't love? I didn't, like, love, like, I, hmm, I loved it the first, like, 45 minutes. Mm. And then I feel like it, it, it middles, it, it meanders, and in the, in the, especially... In the middle part towards the ending, I didn't like the ending because it's like, okay, I didn't like the ending. Obviously, we all knew it was going to end like that. It's just like for all of Spielberg's, you know, um, amazing filmmaking and, and the way he moves the camera and the way he where he places the camera, the puddle shot, like 
every sequence is so meticulously crafted. And then for the end, he just chooses just the most boring framing. And then also he doesn't do anything to like enhance the ending at all. Yeah. Which I feel is such a, such a weird take because he could have, you know, he could have like re rewritten it a little bit. Like I understand it's, it's a remake of a, of an adaptation of, of the Shakespeare play and you don't want to like make it too much different, but I just feel like there might have been a more interesting ending he could have gone with to to fit this to fit the scope of this movie a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did enjoy the performances of everybody except for Ansel Elgort. He he was okay, but Rachel Zegler was amazing. Uh, I don't know who played um, the the friend, the one that the the one that uh, that fights the on the, the oh my god, it's uh, Ansel Elgort's friend. What's uh, his name? I don't know the character's name. Oh, his friend. Yeah, the one that, the one that dies. Oh, oh, I, I, yeah, I don't know that actor, know but that he actor. was, he, he was, was like on uh, Broadway, I think. I think he was like in Dear Evan Hansen. Okay, well, he was something. amazing. He was amazing as well. Yeah, I really yeah. loved his performance. No, I, I thought all the sharks were the standouts though. Yeah. Ariana DeBose, uh, mm-hmm. she was amazing. I can't remember. Um, oh, the 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 other. Uh, the the sharks gang leader's name mm-hmm. the actor or the character which yeah, I'm yeah. I'm so bad about that, um, yeah they were all amazing I I want to say about the ending though I feel mm-hmm. like he didn't change that because like I don't know because like you said everyone knows the ending yeah. and it's also just like very uh, powerful and important in the culture I guess like it's because sure. it's Romeo and Juliet's ending yeah. essentially so it's like. Thing. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I guess he just didn't see the need to retool it a bunch, but I'll agree the framing in that sequence was oddly flat yeah. compared to the rest of it. Yeah. Um But overall it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Uh, uh the, so yeah. We both watched this movie. Yeah. The I think I know which one. Yeah. The Mitchells versus the Machines. Uh, so how you you st- you talk about it first. Okay. I love it. Really? I absolutely love it. I connected with it. like so well um i fucking think that i I thought it was so fucking funny and i thought it was a really fresh animated movie i do have my problems with some of the humor some of the humor feels like it was written by boomers and then the other half of it feels like it was written by people from our generation that actually get our humor like it's a very memey movie you know there's a lot of like the editing is is uh at times i feel like it's over edited but like Certain jokes, the punchlines of certain jokes, like they really do hit. And uh, I, I thought it was interesting how the how characters are animated in this movie. They don't, they look different. Like the mom um, has like, how do I explain this? Like in some animated, like, okay, I'll give you an example. Fucking, you know, Mrs. Incredible and like another female that was animated in The Incredibles. They're like super slim, like basically matching you know um body expectations and the mitchells versus the machines every character was different and every character was uh animated very specifically it just it felt good it felt nice watching that type of like um uh what's the word i'm looking for diversity uh for sure and also the um you know our main character's like gay like it's yeah. pretty obvious that she's gay. Like throughout the movie, they just kind of say it at the end. No, um, yeah, Sony Pictures definitely has bigger balls than Disney, Disney. or Pixar did. Yeah, just like go out there and be like, "Hey, we have gay characters." Right. I mean, it, 
I still feel like this movie really doesn't explore that very much, though. Like, it's it a it's a selling point that a lot of people are talking about online, but it's like, it, it's hardly in the movie. Though. Yeah, I mean, you can tell it's a queer character, but like, they're not. I mean, they never get a chance to really express that queerness. Right. I guess. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. The movie did really well. If they do a sequel, they could. Yeah, you know, that's true. They could explore it there. Which I think they are awesome. doing a, a, a sequel. Even um, nice. I would love to. I would love to see that. I, um, so I feel. I feel like a fish out of water in discussion <laughs> about this movie. I, when I watched it on pain meds, I really did like it. <laughs> um, but right. I also fell asleep through a lot of it, and uh-huh. I think that what stood out to me was the hyper animation and like mm-hmm. the, the the cool style, just yeah. and the funny like you know randomly cut in there like jokes like right. the, the the like driving maneuver that <laughs> yeah. comes up a couple times that shit's <laughs> fucking funny yeah um like the humor of this movie is pretty good and well some sometimes like you said right, right. and you know sometimes the the animation's really cool i don't know it just like it feels like a lot of emotional manipulation going on i guess mm. Like, I feel like they just straight up, like, have sequences that are supposed to be like, this is supposed to be emotional. And, Mm -hmm. like, it didn't make me feel a damn thing because it felt like a screenwriter trying to get me to feel that way. Like, oh, wow, we have a lot of, like, home video footage of, like, very intimate moments that just happen to be filmed perfectly on this camera like i don't know i don't think they needed that framing device right. to like make that emotion feel real like i think that the conflict between the dad and the daughter mm-hmm. is compelling enough that you don't have to like have scenes where you're trying to get the audience to feel sentimental and the biggest thing for me too is that maya he maya who like <laughs> right, bullshit yeah. like that they're trying to make that a thing like oh this is gonna pay off in a big way <laughs> i don't know so i guess i feel bummed because everyone really loves this movie and like jacob and natalie like they love love this movie yeah and i i I feel like i actually actively don't like it very much and i mean i i i see why it's liked and i see that it's really well made but i don't like it (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) you know i I get it I, i i understand what you're saying i i would uh my like counterpoint to that is, is they were um, with like the home video stuff. Is it sort of like the the realization for um, for Katie, the main character of, of um, all the sacrifices that you know her family or specifically her dad made for her that a lot of like kids don't actually see. Like you don't understand when you're a child or even when you're like a teenager. Um, what your parents like do for you and obviously this is like yeah. not a blanket statement it's not all families but you know um and i i felt that that was like that was really cool that's that's why i liked that um i don't know i i i, I related to to uh katie and her dad's like relationship a yeah. lot because the dad in the movie reminds me a lot of my dad um and so Maybe that's maybe the emotional manipulation did work on me, but I feel like it, it was trying to point at something bigger and not just trying to make you cry. But I understand what you're saying. I, I guess like why I would give this movie three stars, even if I don't like it, is like 
I, I, I agree with most of the messaging, you know? Yeah. you know, and I think it's got a good message. And I, and I think that it talks about a lot of stuff, like you said, like we don't usually talk about, like mm-hmm. parents sacrificing for us in ways we don't know about. And, you know, the conflict that arises, like a parent who just maybe doesn't get yeah. your, your stuff. Like, I remember feeling like that with my dad at, at points of my life. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you just don't get it. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it makes me feel sad that I can't share that with you because you Mm -hmm. don't understand but yeah um so i mean like i get that i just feel like the way that it's conveyed in this movie is very like uh very sloppy you Mm -hmm. know and i I guess because phil lord and chris miller have their names all over it like Mm -hmm. i can't help but feel like comparing this movie to their other movies like lego movie and into the spider-verse which i feel have emotional moments that feel just like way more earned mm-hmm. than in this movie and i don't know i guess it was just a disappointment to me because gotcha. i wanted to like it so much more and people really do like it well that's okay because uh now that you mentioned it we can flip-flop on this i am a, am a into the spider-verse liker and and not a lover and devoted fan like everybody else is that's that's my animated movie that when it came out i was like yeah that was really good but everybody else was like <gasps> Yeah, it's the best movie ever made, and I'm like, no. <laughs> is it is it so bad that when you like something initially, and then everyone else likes it so much, and they're talking about it all the time, that you like it less? Like, <laughs> yeah, just positivity literally. killing your vibe. <laughs> literally, that's that's what happened with me and Into the Spider Verse. I was yeah. like, yeah, it was good, but everybody just kept talking about it, and I was like. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> I feel like that's that's what I feel felt about it too. Yeah, and with Mitchells, and also with Minecraft, like back in 2012. Like, wait, why is everyone at school playing it now? Yeah. This is fucking stupid. <laughs> I hate this game. <laughs> Only babies are playing it, and I'm like fucking 13. <laughs> nice. Oh gosh. Uh, uh yes, Mitchell's. <laughs> Wait, what? How did we get to that? Uh, we were talking about Mitchell's versus the machine. Yeah, but then we flip flopped on something into the Spider Verse. Into the Spider Verse. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Well, <laughs> there's Mitchell's versus the machines. I don't know. Do you have more to say on it? No, I don't. <laughs> I didn't mean I to just, cut I it off. Liked it. <laughs> You're good. It's my pick. Honestly, the, the animation category, it's between that and Luca for me. Those really? Are picks, so. I gotta still see Luca. Yeah. I'll do it. Oh, and Encanto. I gotta see that. Encanto's good too, yeah. I've seen the first 18 minutes. It seems like a blast. <laughs> you know? I can't wait like to it. see where it goes. Uh, okay, just just a couple more. Oh, yeah, God. Same. Actually, so many. <laughs> <laughs> I watched. I rewatched Yojimbo, which I have, yeah. I've only seen it two times now. <laughs> uh, but like, Yojimbo was huge for me when I watched it. Like my first Kurosawa movie, my 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 first like film that I sought out because it was like a like a film film or whatever, right. and it was like by a foreign director, and I just wanted to get into that shit. Yeah, and I remember like it kickstarted my Western phase too. Like I watched mm-hmm. Fistful of Dollars immediately after, which is like a unofficial remake of mm-hmm. it. Being like, oh my gosh, are Western movies like Yojimbo? And then I watched like, you know, the whole Dollars trilogy right. and like all of Clint Eastwood's like individual movies. And it was fucking <coughs> awesome and life was good. I, don't know. <laughs> it, I feel like I can trace that back to Yojimbo. So I had very warm memories about this movie and I've just kind of always vouched for how good it is. It is it, so good. Yeah, rewatching it, it's still so good. <laughs> this is one of those 
happy cases where something that you really obsessed over as mm-hmm. a kid is actually as good as you remember. It still like, holds fuck up. Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. Kurosawa is awesome. And I, oh, I don't yeah. know. I kind of want to just dive right back into all of, all of his filmography, you know, rewatch shit like Hidden Fortress and Seven Samurai because those are also yeah. movies I've only seen once. Yeah. And, and, and then see, see his stuff I've never seen, like Ran or like Ikaru mm-hmm. or... I still need to watch Rashomon. And, yeah, yeah. Oh, High and Low is one that I really, really want to see. Okay, yeah. Wait, what's it called? High and Low. It's like, lo- his, oh, like yeah. noir or like the detective movie, I think. Gosh. Yeah, there's still a lot of Kurosawa I've yet to see <laughs> that we've yet to see. Yeah. Wow, we need to do we that. We should do that. Um, what did I watch next? Um, I'll just quickly say that I've been rewatching Doctor Who. Um, Copyright. It's good. I love Doctor Who. I'll never not not Doctor Who. It's cheap television, but it's so good. I love it. Which uh, which docky are you on? We're on the tenth Doctor right now. We're on season okay. three. Nice. It's good. Oh, it's that's good the one with like the bad companion, though. Right? Uh, Martha. Three. Yeah. She's iffy. Like I like her, but like I just feel like her storyline was kind of annoying. Like it wasn't the actor's fault. It was yeah. just like her storyline of needing to like also be in love with the doctor was yeah. like just like mm, really mm. we're going for this right. and it, like i feel like they're playing it in a way where they're setting her up against rose and it's like don't do that it's like, like every episode we compare her to rose when we're watching it distinguish her that's what's great yeah. about donna is she's not fucking trying yeah you know? donna don't I initially I hated Donna, but Donna becomes a good companion, like yeah, one top top tier companion. But um, yeah, we're rewatching that. If you haven't watched Doctor Who, you should definitely give it a try. It's you just gotta have fun with it. It's cheap. It's very cheap television. The effects look goofy as hell. Some of the storylines are goofy as hell. But it has such a charm to it that I you just can't deny, and that's why I love it. Yeah. Um, but the next movie I saw was um, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, the newest Charlie Kaufman written and directed film. And let me tell you, it's shit. It's it's absolute garbage. Um, there's like, man, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That's the kind of movies I want Kaufman to make. Uh, and then I, I want to see from Kaufman, whether he's writing them or directing them, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm Thinking of Ending Things is just a giant blob of meaningless dialogue, existentialism, nihilism, um, philosophical ramblings, and they never line up to a coherent thought or message. Um, And the movie is about as boring to look at as it is to sit through its mindless jabbering, um, and I hated it. I have nothing good to say about it. It's really bad. I don't know if you've seen it, but that's so disappointing to hear. Yeah. I, I I watched the first thirty minutes, and honestly, I was really into it. Oh yeah, that's the best it. part. The first thirty okay. minutes of the movie is like the best. That's the only good, like you know. But it just devolves after that. That sucks. I love I love Kaufman so much, so yeah. I, I do want to actually finish it. I I might. I might watch that tonight. I don't know. I might get crazy. I might get nuts. <laughs> but I mean, like I love Anomalisa. I love. Uh, fucking adaptation yeah adaptation's uh, amazing and, and I mean like you said Eternal Sunshine yeah. is always a classic yep. I just I, did he go too far up his own ass or something yes that's exactly what it feels like okay way okay. too far up his what own ass what a bummer ass. what yeah. a bummer well, uh, let me let me see did I watch 
Oh my gosh, two two other fucking movies. Oh my what god, a loser. Bro. Okay, <laughs> I watched like the 1948 Hamlet with like Laurence Olivier. Okay, have you seen that? I haven't seen that. It, I, well, I don't think so. It, it's actually like really good. Uh, okay. I, I I feel like it influenced a lot of stuff, but it's Hamlet. You know, you, right. you know what Hamlet is. It's Hamlet without all the po- political stuff though, which I kind of missed. I I, I like right. the whole like spy stuff and treachery. But, uh, is Rosencrantz and Guildenstern from Hamlet? Mm-hmm, but okay. they're not in this version. That's what I mean. Like, oh, they, okay. There's like big cuts like that. And I'm like, okay, good, because we have a two and a half hour movie instead of a four hour movie. But bad, because actually I miss that stuff that's gone now. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, right. And also I, I hate takes on Hamlet that have like uh, Oedipus complexes like Hamlet, like thirsting for his mom. Don't mm-hmm. love that shit. This movie's full of that shit. Like them kissing each other. Tom Brady style, you know. <laughs> Fucking gross. Did you hear Tom Brady actually came out of retirement already? Really? Just six weeks after retiring, he announced he's going to play for the, the Buccaneers. Wow, he must have gotten offered a shit ton of fucking uh, money. A shit ton of money. Or he just was super bored and he's like, what do I do with my life now? What do I do now? Uh, do you have another? I have one now? more movie. Yes, um, fuck yes. This is perfect. We yeah. alternate. Yeah, so the last... Uh, well, okay... I watched a Madonna documentary. I don't have a lot to say about it. I love Madonna. It's fine. It's whatever. It's a Madonna documentary. But the one I wanted to talk about that I watched is The Wrestler. Darren Aronofsky's The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke. Oh, yeah. It's good. It's really good. I liked it a lot. The, um, it's like, it's not doing anything much different than your typical, like, aging superstar kind of, like, trope movie. Yeah. Um, but it's, oh, it's just so damn good. Uh, it, it does everything correctly. Like the the screenplay is is awesome. Uh, you know, mise en scene, it's all there. Um, I'm fucking Marisa uh, Tomei or Melissa Tomei. It's Marisa, Marisa Tomei. Marisa Tomei. Sorry. Um, she's a stripper in this. She's a she's an older like stripper. Um, and she's great. And so is Mickey Rourke. Uh, as uh, Randy the Ram Johnson. Um. It's just good. Wrestling, professional wrestling world is nothing I've ever been interested in, but this movie does a hell of a job uh, making you interested. Um, it's very violent. The fights are very like visceral. They're filmed really well. Um, everybody does a great job acting. The score, the soundtrack is, is great. Um, it's just good. It's just good. Hell yeah. Like, nothing like masterpiece levels, but it's really good. I love Aronofsky. So. I just need to get into Aronofsky. Bro, like, I, I feel like I've put it off so long. Like I've never seen Requiem. I've never seen Black Swan. I've never seen any of that shit. Like, Damn. Mother. Start, yeah. yeah, start watching those. I Well, if you want to start watching Aronofsky, I would highly recommend starting with The Wrestler and then watch Black Swan because they're kind of like companion pieces. Whoa, really? Yeah, and then you can watch like literally any of his other movies. But I would definitely suggest The Wrestler is the least crazy one. Um, to, and, okay. and, and a, a good um, stepping off point for, for Aronofsky, I think. You don't think I should watch Noah? No, I still haven't even seen Noah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard it's better than you would think, though. Right, right, yeah. I don't know, I just haven't watched that yet. But um, but yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. What, what, what's your last film that you saw? I watched Barry Lyndon. Oh, yeah. Is I, this a five-star film for you? Yeah. I watch Every time I watch a Kubrick movie... I'm all, I always walk away and I go like, wow, that's a five-star fucking movie. <laughs> so it kind of scares me, honestly, to like run out of Kubrick movies one yeah. day. Because there are so many that I still haven't seen. Same. Like Spartacus or like Doctor Strangelove. 
and and I need to, or or even eyes wide shut. But I'm scared to. I don't want to. I don't want to run out. Uh, but Barry Lyndon, I mean, just affirms why I should be watching those movies though, because they're goddamn fucking masterpieces. <laughs> like right. every every goddamn frame of Barry Lyndon is like a painting. Like it's just it's so pretty yeah. and then on top of that it conveys so much emotion like I, I can't believe that someone lived on this earth that was so brilliant with yeah. how he framed shit um, just wow amazing I think John Al- Alcott was the mm-hmm. cinematographer yeah just clearly one of the best to have ever done it yeah. um, the score is perfect I mean the performances are incredible across the board and just like I don't know. It's kind of a more... It's not aimless. It's just episodic, you know? So you never really know where the story's going, but I loved that about it. Like, I was like, where the fuck is this period piece taking me? Right. Like, I don't know. It it was adapted from a novel written in the 1800s, which can sound really boring, but, like, despite how period PC it was and how like authentic to the times without much modern flair like it was so engaging and Mm -hmm. so good I yeah Barry Lyndon is a a masterpiece and I can't wait to watch it again nice three hour fucking movie yeah there's still a lot of Kubrick I haven't seen I haven't seen Barry Lyndon Paths of Glory Clockwork Orange oh you gotta watch Clockwork Orange I know it's the next one I'm gonna watch in his filmography oh and there's there's one other one I think that I haven't seen Spartacus, I haven't seen, um, but yeah, I don't know. I need to. I need to watch. I'm kind of like you though. It's like if I watch them all, there's no more Kubrick. Like yeah. every time I watch a Kubrick film, I'm like, God, this is so different and so good, and I, I love it. Um, I've seen The Shining like three times already, and I really want to watch it again, like really soon, just because so his movies are like definitely rewatchable. Um, yeah, I've seen. Honestly, one of the movies I've seen the most in my life is 2001 A Space Odyssey. I've seen mm. that like eight or nine times. Like, <laughs> really? I, I, I just, and I mean, it's not even because like I uh, I want to like reanalyze it. It just like feels like a good watch. Yeah. Like if someone hasn't seen it, I'm like, oh yeah, let's put that on right now. Yeah. And that's crazy because it's like a two and a half minimal dialogue movie yeah. but like <laughs> i yeah. love it i just sit through it but you haven't seen dr strangelove no oh, it's it's so good it's one of my favorites of i think i think i like well i can't i haven't i can't rank kubrick right now but let me yeah. tell you dr strangelove is fucking amazing and hilarious so good podcast dog getting pets yeah podcast dog getting major pets and speaking of major pets Let's talk about some major blockbuster motion pictures. Let's go! Uh, so we're going to talk about Batman. Um, spoiler free first, though, you but do? which okay. will probably be minimal, right? Because we just yeah, there's not a whole it. lot to say. I was going to say we could just get into it. I don't know. I feel like we should give just the slightest okay, okay. of reviews. Yeah, we don't have to say much. Like right, right. Do you like Robert Pattinson? Yes. Bam. He's my new favorite Batman. I don't know. That says a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh. Zoe Kravitz, also amazing. Also amazing. Just like all of the principal performances, like Colin Farrell's unrecognizable. He's incredible. Paul uh-huh. Dano, I was a big fan I of. I feel like Paul this Dano. one, people will be divided on, though. And right. So form your own opinion yeah. about his Riddler performance. I uh, loved it. And I'll, I'll explain why I loved it in yeah. spoiler talk. But yeah. um, definitely the grimmest Batman that we've seen on yeah. screen, uh, which is crazy because, yeah, Dark Knight was already pretty dark. But yeah. honestly... <laughs> 
looking back on Nolan's trilogy, it's light, it's lighter hearted than we yeah. think, you know? Well, the thing about everybody talking, saying this Batman is so dark, I'm like, what do you, this is just Batman. Yeah. Like, this is literally, if you read the comics, you watch, or not even watch the movies, just, just read the comics or play the video games. Like, it's all, like, Batman's just a dark, you know, yeah, he, he's a pretty guy. a dark world, and this is, and his villains are always, like, really serious and dark as well. Well, most of the time they are, at least, but. I mean, this is, yeah, it was good. The tone was perfect, I think. Yeah, well, without uh, talking spoilers, I, I think this might be my new favorite Batman movie, even if it's maybe not technically the best Batman movie. I agree. Yeah, so uh, if you if you haven't seen it, go see it. Uh, yes, please do. It's, it's amazing. Okay, and spoiler talk in three, three two, two, one... one. Well, there's always a temptation to start spoiler talk with like a major spoiler, but I don't know. I don't want to just defile yeah. the Batman like that. I, I will say that when the movie started, a light was still on in our theater. So like apparently a lot of people were wondering like, oh, is this the Waynes getting murdered? And I was just wondering throughout that sequence, like, is someone going to turn off the fucking the lights? lights? Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of ruined. But luckily it they turned off right before the Riddler made his like scary entrance. entrance yeah, like, yeah. Yes. Nice. I I love that this is like a horror detective Noir movie. Yeah. yeah. It it's it's something that makes so much sense for Batman yeah. and I have been dying to see on the yes. big screen. Yes. Like this just really brought all the shit that I would have wanted to see for this character. Mm-hmm. Like young Batman's just so fun. Yeah. Like because he's not like the most overpowered like well put together guy he's like vengeful and angry but like it, sometimes that makes him like scarier though yeah. like that he doesn't hold his punches or whatever mm-hmm. like I, yeah I, I agree because one thing I, I loved about um a lot of people didn't okay I'm gonna preface <gasps> this real quick I'm gonna be pre- comparing this movie to the Arkham games a lot yeah but that is only because I think the Arkham games do a perfect job at encapsulating everything about Batman that just they do it really well so Batman Arkham Origins came out and it was like it was obviously a prequel to the Arkham series when Batman was still in his early years and a lot of people didn't like that game but I loved it because when you play as Batman in that game he does not hold punches he beats the fuck out of like criminals like breaking their arms and legs like the combat is just very brutal and that's one of the things I noticed in this Batman movie is that he is a lot more brutal than he is in his like later years or when he's like at, at his peak. Yeah. Like, peak superhero like movies are never as interesting as they are when the when the superheroes in in their um in the early years or in their later years. I think feel like those those are much more compelling stories because they're still figuring out their identity or they're having to reckon with things um from their identity and the Batman places a you know, year two, like that is the perfect, perfect, like, you know, trilogy opener for Batman. Yeah. Um, I loved it. So maybe making the first flamey statement of the night, I, I feel like what makes this movie just so much more engaging than something like Batman Begins mm-hmm. is just like the fallibility of, of Batman, you know, like the fact that this might actually not be a good idea. Like, because I feel like in Batman Begins, everyone just is so quickly won over by this fucking insane idea that like, oh, Bruce Wayne uh, should dress up like a bat and like (laughs) go beat up criminals at night. This movie like begs the question, like, 
is beating up street thugs like all that particularly helpful? <laughs> like, yeah. is that really the bigger issue here? Or yeah. like, is is this like productive for like <laughs> a person to like go out there and like potentially die? Like, I I'm so convinced that Bruce Wayne in this movie meant what he said. Like, I don't care what happens to me. Like, mm-hmm. he was just content to, like, die doing that, just beating the fuck out of, like, yeah. street thugs who don't really mean anything. Um, and 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 not really have changed the city in any kind of meaningful way. Right. And I feel like this movie is so engaging because you have to see him find that purpose. He doesn't yep. just, like, get to pull it out of his ass. Like, it turns out having your parents be shot to death and going on a vengeful quest is not a mission statement. You yeah. Need, you need to actually experience things. And so many times in this movie, I feel like they finally put Bruce Wayne to the test. Like, mm-hmm. if some fucking rich guy was Batman, he probably wouldn't know what to do with this carpenter's tool. Yeah. And he's going to miss the whole big plot. Like, that's the best reveal yeah. in the movie by far. Yeah, the, the, the carpenter's tool. Yeah, and the... I, the I, yeah, just how I, I think... Also, like, going off of that, about, like, him learning, I think... Um, the what I thought was so so well done in this movie is uh, skipping to the end climax when he unmasks the uh, one of the Riddler uh, minions and yeah. he asks him who he is and he says I'm vengeance. It, it is like this perfect character arc for Batman or, and for Bruce understanding that he has to become more than just a guy who beats the fuck out of people and people are afraid of. Uh, it needs to become a symbol of hope because that's a lot of thing that people miss about the character of Batman. It's, he's not just like terrifying <laughs> the criminals. He's also the beacon of hope for people. And, and the Batman, I, I love that the movie starts out with him monologuing about the bat symbol because mm-hmm. in Batman's prime years, the bat symbol is also like the symbol of hope and safety for the people. Yeah. While also fear for criminals. But the movie starts out as it just being like, it's, it's a fucking warning. Um, and I think that arc is explored so well in this movie from beginning to end. I, I love that aspect. I, I like that there's effort to show how the people he saves react. Like they in superhero movies, there's always the cliche of like, "Oh, thank you, you yeah. saved my life and my two babies." <laughs> yeah. Um, and I like in this movie, like the first guy he saves, he just you know mercilessly beats these thugs down. And the guy is essentially like pissing his pants. Yeah, he's, he's so like, Don't terrified hurt me. <laughs> of Batman. He thinks that he's gonna get hurt. Yeah. And then by the end of the movie, he's rescuing people who are like willingly following him out of this like scary situation. Mm-hmm. And they 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 have to have that trust. He has to provide that hope. Yeah. No, I I fuck with that so hard yeah. that he has to actually think about that symbol and what he has to become. And I love. The way Gotham is presented in this movie, yes! this is the best on-screen oh. Gotham. Like I, I, I didn't realize how lackluster the uh, Gotham is just Chicago yeah. thing was until which, this movie came out. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, one of the things I'm not gonna do with this movie is compare it to Nolan's trilogy because I mean we'll obviously make comparisons but I'm saying like yeah. Nolan's trilogy was meant to be something else he wasn't trying to capture something he he was doing what Zack Snyder wants to do and using the characters to convey something else but also doing it uh, pretty pretty good pretty well for comic book fans as well but what the Batman does is bring Gotham to 
life uh, in a way that I've never seen it. And I love that they focus on locale. Location is so key in Gotham City. The Iceberg Lounge is so important. And they they made sure to make the Iceberg Lounge something you remember from when he walks up and you see like the font. That font is the same font that's used in Arkham City, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of forgot that out. it was in Arkham City yes. also. And just like the architecture of Arkham. Or I mean, of not of Arkham. Well, and Arkham. Arkham's featured in the movie for a brief moment. But... Um, but of Gotham, it is so well done, and it really feels like this. This is fictional, like, and that's what I needed. With yeah. Nolan, he wanted it to feel like it, it was reality. It's it is like imagine this is a city like Chicago, yeah. And then imagine it transforms into Pittsburgh, <laughs> yeah. overnight, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I I don't want to like compare this. I feel like that's a disservice to like the whole reason Batman gets redone a lot is that. He's a character that benefits from multiple interpretations. Yeah. And Nolan even said that on a mm-hmm. podcast. He was like, I love what Matt Reeves is doing because Batman's always lent himself to reinterpretation. And, yeah. and that's what makes him so interesting. And I agree wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. And for, for, for Nolan's universe, I think that makes sense for what he's yeah. going for. I guess I was just trying to say, like, this movie... I'm comparing them because it exists and it's yeah, kind of no, hard not for it to be compared. And I feel like... I'll even compare it to Burton at some point, but right, um, right. I'm, I guess I'm just saying like I like the direction they went in this. Both yeah. make sense, right? Um, but yeah, but, I, I agree. I, I like the I like that the, a lot of care was put into the setting of Gotham in this movie. Yeah, um, it, it just it makes a world of difference, and it really just puts you into like ah shit, we're in Gotham City now. Like we're not just watching a movie about a guy dressed up like a bat in a city. We're watching Batman in Gotham City, like. It just makes the world a difference, and that's what I. That was the um, a huge point for me of loving this film is that the city was so alive and the, it was good. The sacrifice of things that have been filmed over and over again, like the parent death scene, or yes. or like him meeting Gordon. Like I'm just so glad that we're over that and mm-hmm. we can just world build yeah. instead. Yeah. Because it, I mean, this movie just really benefited from that, and it turns out you don't have to film. Uh, Thomas and Martha getting shot in order to convey the deep emotional pain that follows him. Like that shot of him looking at the kid at the start of the movie, that that does that for it you. It you. You don't need you don't need words. Like yeah. to, you don't need to go over that again. Exactly. It's and so I, well done. I love it. Like the Jim the Jim Gordon and uh, Batman relationship movie uh, in this movie is great. And I mean, mm-hmm. you don't even need to see the start of it. You can just jump mid thing. Yeah. Gain a lot of insight about mm-hmm. their relationship and still enjoy their dynamic on screen. Like the, the, the punch scene is, yes. people are saying this movie's not funny and it's it actually so got funny. So many like just low key jokes. Like it turns out humor doesn't have to be quips yeah like you can just have Did something you know? that's inherently funny <laughs> yeah yeah I think honestly the Riddler is honestly really funny sometimes yeah too like whether intentional or not like I, and I think Paul Dano meant for it to be intentional in some places like yeah he, with the Ave Maria shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah well just like I don't can we can we talk about the Riddler because I, I have yeah. a lot to say about yeah uh, please let's just jump okay. around man okay this this Riddler <laughs> is so amazing. Paul Dano's take is comic book accurate, lore accurate, while yet being refreshing. And here's here's why. Here's my here's my thesis, okay? Um the Riddler in the comics and in, in just Batman, you know, mythos and stuff, um, 
he is a egomaniac. He thinks he's smarter than everybody else. Mm-hmm. But with the Batman, he's constantly trying to prove that he is smarter than Batman, but yet Batman always outsmarts him. And what's so ironic about the Riddler and Batman relationship is that the Riddler has never figured out, uh, or maybe a storyline or two he has, but normally he's never figured out that Bruce Wayne is Batman. And that scene in the movie where he thinks he's figured it out, but he says he's the only one we didn't get, and he thinks that him and Batman are working together— that moment right there is the is the entire thesis of their entire relationship because Batman is smarter than Riddler. Riddler thinks he's smarter than Batman and basically uh, has this god complex, but yet doesn't know that Bruce Wayne is Batman. And it is perfect, like the way Paul Dano plays the Riddler as being uh, as he makes jokes. The Riddler makes jokes that only the Riddler thinks is funny, and in this movie, he makes jokes that only he thinks are funny and. Um, like the, the, the caller scene where he's the bomb caller yeah. and he's like basically acting like a fucking fool, like over FaceTime, you know, I'm talking about these riddles. I just, it is the Riddler and it's so perfect. And, uh, um, they couldn't have chose a, a better villain for uh, this first movie. Um, I think it was fucking amazing. He's so well implemented too. Like mm-hmm. I like, you know, all the changes to like the character's origin are in service of what the movie is going for. Like in so many Batman movies before, they've they've like been like, oh, you created me and I created you or whatever. Like that's what Tim Burton's Batman is with Joker. Like mm-hmm. oh, Joker shot his parents and he pushed Joker into a vat of acid. But this movie actually like dives into like Batman <clears throat> made the Riddler like what he is. Like mm-hmm. in, in that the twist that he thinks that they've been working together just puts like so much cool context into those scenes that you kind of thought were off-putting earlier like the facetime sequence is so weird because he's being so chummy about it and he's like so uh, proud of himself and Mm -hmm. and happy and he's actually not interested in unmasking in that sequence like he's just and it doesn't matter if he unmasks he knows that he has an online following and he thinks batman's aware of that too but he's not and i don't know that just like that makes it so much more important to have this character be in the story and be relevant to Bruce's arc. Yeah. Because they, they, they're they foils. They parallel yeah. in that perfect way. And mm-hmm. they actually have so much more in common than Batman is willing to admit. And yes. I, and you actually feel that in uh-huh. this movie. That this is just like two people who went through similar experiences and... Yeah, it came out different ways. I don't know. It's oh, it's so well done. I couldn't have asked for a better, uh, a better Riddler, a better Riddler take. And uh, Paul Dano quickly is becoming one of my favorite actors, uh, and just his take on it is amazing. The uh, the scene where he figured that well, that scene where yeah, he figures Bruce. it out. Yeah, Bruce. that was so good. Oh, he, oh, he Paul Dano constantly makes the right choices every fucking time. Um. Yeah, man, it's it's great. Um, the the character design of the Riddler, a lot of people were bashing. There's nothing wrong with it. There's, I dig it. I, I mean, I dig it. I dig it too. It's not like the the boiler hat and question mark green suit that you know, or the spandex that Jim Carrey wore. You know, Jim Carrey kind of nuked uh, the character of of the Riddler, but I, thankfully Paul Dano has like brought it back into the Riddler is actually a very competent villain for Batman and a very great parallel for Batman, especially mm-hmm. with his detective skills. Um, really loved that. Um, also the penguin. 
is, yeah. is great too. Colin Farrell is unrecognizable. There's no way you can look at that and say, yeah, it's Colin Farrell. Like, no, that's the that's just the Penguin man. <laughs> I so the Penguin was good. I didn't expect him to be second fiddle as much, and I feel like the previews aren't really giving you an idea of just mm-hmm. how important Carmine Falcone yeah. is in this movie. And also, John Turturro, kind of the MVP I didn't expect in the, right? in the, in the rogues gallery. Like, mm-hmm. I have never given a shit about any of the mob like storylines in Batman before. Like, I just they're much more uh, interesting in the comics, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in the in the year one comic, it's interesting, mm-hmm. but in I, I'm not trying to bash Nolan, but well, no, yeah. I, I think the weakest part of Batman Begins is the, mob, the mob stuff. Shit, you yeah. don't care about it, and they throw it out the window really quickly for the super-powered right. guys. And in The Dark Knight, oddly, is where they do the mob stuff way better. Way better, yeah. But, um, yeah, so, like, Falcone, I never cared about him before. But in this movie, he's so intimidating. <sighs> so and actually, it, it's just, like, all the, the swagger yeah. and the character and... I don't know the way they shoot this movie like everyone kind of feels like the same like size and like capability like when Batman's like fighting people like I don't know it it just feels like more on the ground with them than it did in the Nolan movies like I feel in Nolan you know that Batman's probably gonna beat the shit out of all the thugs but he's gonna run up against some difficulty right with like the main big bad in this movie like oh damn random street thug number three might have it in for batman (laughs) so you felt like carmine falcone was kind of even a threat yeah to like bruce anyway and and definitely the Catwoman. like i was so scared in that sequence i was like what the shit is happening (laughs) yeah this strangulation sequence has been going on so long i know yeah the the, i love that they brought the strangulation as a motif back for falcone because it yeah it, it made it it made him Seemed like he was his own sort of supervillain, kind of like he had a he had he had Penguin has his thing, Riddler has his thing. Well, Falcone he strangles people, you know. I, I don't know that just the the devotion to to characteristics of yeah. to make to basically it's like you can't say Falcone's just another mob guy because he's much more interesting than that um, essentially. And uh, I really I really dug the way Reeves implemented him as well. And I and I like. The, the the plot point that they were able to explore because of Falcone's inclusion, the mm-hmm. the doubt because of like Thomas Wayne hiring, yeah. uh, well going to Falcone to, mm-hmm. to deal with the the Martha Wayne problem. Mm-hmm. I one of my biggest theories going into this movie because mainly because of the sins of the father thing, but mm-hmm. also because in the Telltale Batman games, this is the case. But the Waynes being maybe more involved with the criminal underbelly of Gotham than Bruce was aware. Yeah. And so they didn't really go there fully. Yeah. But I like the bits they did go there. I did. I wish they would have stuck with it, though. Because in one scene, you have this huge realization. And in the very next scene, Alfred's like, no, that's not what happened. And it completely undercuts what could have been a really defining moment for Bruce. Uh, with like his parents not being the people he thought they were, he'd really have to reckon he'd with himself. Really have to do, yeah. Uh, but they they chose not to do that for some reason, and I feel like that would have that would have helped the story even more. If not, yeah. it would have been you know better. I, I know. feel like it was just like maybe studio pressure to like keep it yeah down low because I feel like they wanted to go that angle. Like the Riddler seems very upset with Thomas Wayne. Yeah. Like I don't know. 
I, I, I feel like they should have committed to that, like how they did. Because in the Telltale games, they do fully commit to that. Like your dad was essentially a mob boss and the character has to like really think like why they're doing it. Yeah. Like if it's not for my parents, then what is it for? Uh-oh. That was not an alarm. Uh-oh. Um, well, we've gushed about it enough. Do you have anything you don't like about it? Uh, I have a couple things that I, I wanted to get into. Maybe. Don't like? Uh, there's not things that I don't like per se. Oh, sorry. I wanted to say Zoe Kravitz is my favorite Catwoman, oh, yes. by the way. Like, well, let's talk. We didn't even talk about her yet. Let's, we didn't talk about yeah. Alfred either. I kind of oh, want to hear. Oh, fuck yeah. And I want to get specific about Battenson, okay? Okay. So we'll just knock these out. Kravitz, do you love her more than other Catwomen? Or are you a big Anne Hathaway stan? No. <laughs> Anne Hathaway's Catwoman is garbage. Um, yeah, I forget that she's in that movie, yeah. to be honest. Honestly, Zoe Kravitz is probably the best Catwoman. I, I, I know we've only had like two iterations of it on film, but yeah, Zoe Kravitz is the best one so far. She encapsulates a lot of what Catwoman is supposed to be. Sort of like the... She's a sexual, like kind of like dominatrix figure, but she's not over. She's not sexualized in the movie. She's just sexual, I guess, but like not overbearing. Not it was just a perfect blend for her. Um, also, Catwoman being a person of color is like the only choice. <laughs> like Catwoman um, in the comics, I know it was like normally she's like played by like or she's coded to be a white character, but I've always felt like Catwoman fits better as a person of color for me yeah and selena I, kyle it, yeah I, I just feel like it not only is it just like good representation but like mm-hmm. I, I i do feel like at some point like that just kind of became like i guess with halle berry playing the character like yeah. it just made so much sense yeah that she's a, a, a woman of color like i yeah i just i don't know why in the Dark Knight Rises, apparently Zoe Kravitz was rejected for being too urban. So yes. I guess they've thought that, you know, Catwoman should be a white character until recently. No, Just that's crazy. Anne Hathaway's Catwoman was not good. No, not yeah. Good. If it was it. Zoe Kravitz or Anne Hathaway back then, they should have still gone with Zoe, Zoe Kravitz. Kravitz. Yeah, but we don't know that's the role she was Which, going for. She didn't confirm. Yeah, true. But she's great in this movie. Yeah, she's great. She's fucking awesome. Um, not hearing a lot of love for Andy Serkis as Alfred uh, but he's I, fine like, it's I really Serkis. liked what he was in I he did, just wasn't in it very much he wasn't maybe he'll have a bigger role in the next two yeah. movies like I hope but yeah so far Andy Serkis as Alfred is fine like he's killing it I, I mean, still think Kane is the best Alfred of all yeah. time but Andy Serkis he was pretty good Kane's gonna be hard to top yeah and and I don't think they're trying to compete with that aspect of Nolan's trilogy like they're like okay you know this is gonna be a different Alfred relationship and Mm -hmm. but we're not gonna explore too much of that yet I thought he was dead I really did think they killed him which I've never felt before Mm -hmm. that they would go there in this movie I was like oh he's dead he's gotta be dead but he wasn't which was surprising but I'm glad he's not because I I like him as Alfred I wanted to see more yeah, uh, of that relationship, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I liked it. I, I I did like the the moments of conflict too. You're not my dad, Alfred. No, <laughs> yeah, not that like... part necessarily. But <laughs> it was it was just good to see them at odds with each other because I feel like Nolan would, didn't go there very much, and so no. it, it's a it's a new dynamic, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Uh, and what? Oh, Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. So I feel like people are conflicted on him like more than yeah. I thought like 
I just honestly feel like though that the other side of this issue just isn't understanding this character arc like that Bruce is not the playboy yet is Mm -hmm. fully intentional and the acting choices that Robert Pattinson makes are not Mm -hmm. one dimensional they're very well thought out and and aid this character at the stage we will see this character evolve because we know it's going to be a trilogy yeah and I love that they're going to take the time to do that but this character has an arc. This character is portrayed exactly how the screenwriter slash director wanted it to be portrayed. And yep. Robert Pattinson's brilliant. I yeah. love him. I, I know I fully agree with everything you said. I, I think um, a lot of people are saying he's not a good Bruce Wayne. It's like, okay, guys, remember it's year two. Yeah. It is so early in his career. He, his rugs gallery is not even halfway complete full yet. Like, He's still got some maturing and you know growth to do, and I, I think it makes total sense that he's still trying to balance who he is as Bruce Wayne and who he's as Batman, because Batman is his true identity, and Bruce Wayne is the facade he puts on, and he's still trying to balance the two. I think, um, and the fucking Pattinson is a oh my god, he's such a great actor, um, and, and his his decision to play Bruce like that in this movie is fine like he he's a good bruce wayne and he's a good batman like he's a great batman i don't know i definitely think his best acting choice in this movie was to not give batman throat cancer yeah i agree <laughs> he, he just talks at a lower pitch a lower like pitch, a yeah. normal guy like what michael keaton did <laughs> right right like what everyone except christian bale no. did like why did he show up to set and do that <laughs> i don't fucking why know. why did nolan let it happen for so long <laughs> he had seven years to stop this man from doing that shit and he didn't <laughs> he let it happen i don't know i i did like uh the one thing i liked about snyder's batman take is that he had a throw modulator yeah that was that was kind of dope i don't know but the thing about snyder's batman that i fucking hate is that it's trying to be the most macho batman of all time it's like the alpha man's batman while having him do less cool shit than the character's ever done like by justice league batman is a comical character because he does nothing and it's like why all the posturing with the macho shit if he's actually fucking worthless yeah i agree it's fucking stupid i like i think i haven't decided who my favorite batman is yet but uh man pattinson really fucking hell he does a great job he could have been a contender he's a contender contender. yeah I love him. I thought it was. I thought it was great. But Perfect. there, there's Casting. some stuff you don't like about the there movie. There is huh? some stuff I don't like about it. Um, starting technical aspects, they use a fucking lens that blurs out the surrounding edges of the screen and focuses on, on the it's like middle circle. And they've they, it's used in a lot of movies, um, but it is most annoying in this fucking film. I'm specifically thinking of like it's very prominent in the very last scene when the mayor uh, after the city's been flooded and she's giving some speech there's like the zoom in on her and you can see the lens and you can see it many 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 times throughout the film many 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 times and it is fucking annoying I hate whatever lens or whatever effect they're doing on that scene I fucking hate it it adds nothing artistic I don't like it that's my personal preference though so you heard it here um, first he's a hater I know well it just it brought me out of the movie several times the movie's so engaging and immersive and every t- time I saw that um, 
it just took me out of it. It's like, what? That does not need to be there. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Um, another thing I don't like about it is um, the we were talking about like the screenplay in some areas it is um, it falters. What, for example, the the Alfred thing, the scene, the big realization about his parents, and then the immediate scene after. Um, saying no, that's not the case. It was like a, it was a huge roller coaster moment. We hit this peak, and then immediately uh, we just kind of like cruise. We don't drop. Like it's like I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like we you hit like a peak realization, and then immediately it's like wiped away. And so everything you mm. just thought, yeah, it, it it goes back on it. It goes a back bit. on it. It's so. like. Oh, this is the ultimate betrayal. Oh, it's it's actually not so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they, they do. it actually doesn't change anything about the character's right, current circumstances yeah. to know this info. He just had to think about it for yeah. like I mean, yeah, it, yeah, that's right. The movie and the movie does it more than once. It, it does it three times that I can think of now, just that I noticed in my first viewing. It does it when uh, when they're figuring out the first riddle. Alfred says, "You know, this is this is what it is. I'm looking for this." Next scene, immediately after Batman's like, actually, you're wrong. It's this. So Alfred was on the wrong track the entire time. Uh, and then the scene where they catch the Riddler and Batman goes into the apartment building is looking for him. And he's gone. And they're like, oh, he got away. And then the next moment, somebody calls like, he's down at the cafe. It's like, why would he, why would he do that? Why would you? And like, it's just, he doesn't flow very well. Like one scene, you know, he's escaped. I know he's escaped. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, somebody just saw him. He's in the cafe. And so then they run to the cafe and are a cafe and they arrest him. I don't know. Why do you that. say it like that? What? Why do you say cafe like that? Cafe? Is you what? say cafe. Cafe? You've been saying cafe. <laughs> I don't know. How is it supposed to be said? Cafe? 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 Uh, it's my southern twang coming out. The cafe. Really? Yeah. The cafe? <laughs> no, it was Going really down to funny. the cafe. Sorry. No, it wasn't really funny. It was normal, and I should have realized that there are different ways to say words. Isaac, it's probably not. I probably am just... I just... It sounded like... It didn't sound Southern. It sounded like a fancy way of saying it, like... Oh, I've just been to the cafe. The cafe. Oh, and okay. I've just sampled a bit of the champagne. <laughs> champagne. <laughs> yeah. <I don't> know. <laughs> um, no, you're you're right. Yeah. They do do that a couple times. Like there are definitely some logical like leaps at times yeah. in the screenplay where it's like, oh, you did that just to like make it a little bit more exciting. And I feel like that's just kind of like bad robot productions is like influence on Matt Reeves is that he. Puts a lot of mystery box yep. like situations into the movie to make things seem more intriguing. Yeah, and then yeah. you know, like, oh, actually, it's not like that. yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, uh, where do we go from here? It's like, oh, next scene, we'll just fix it. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I mean, it happens a couple times, but like, I don't care. <laughs> right. Okay. I don't know. Like, I feel. I guess it's just like this is why I wouldn't give this movie like five out of five stars. Is like I recognize its flaws. But when I'm watching it, I'm having such a great time that I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like The Dark Knight. Like, that movie is, you know, a five out of five watching experience. But when I watch it, like, I definitely see, like, where critics are coming from when they, like, overanalyze it. It's just like, it, like, I, I, I think what you're willing to leave at the door with these, like, right. movies. And with Batman, I'm willing to leave a lot uh, forgiven mm-hmm. if the whole is like a grand old good time yeah i feel like that that happened here and 
I mean, I, 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 all that to say is I enjoy the story of this movie yes, a lot, so a lot, yeah, despite the, the screenplay faults. But what 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 else? Well, there was really only one other thing that really bothered me. Like, obviously, I'm going to watch it again, especially when it comes to HBO Max. You bet your ass, I'll be I'll be doing a second rewatch. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the things that completely it was just an eye rolling moment. Um, that the Joker, the Joker reveal. It's not good. It doesn't feel like Matt Reeves was directing that scene. And I feel like Warner Brothers. I read something where Matt Reeves explained the scene and what he. What he meant by that scene, I understand. I'd be like, oh, okay. But one, they chose the Joker as the villain, which I don't want to see an iteration of Joker in his movies. He has, Batman has many other interesting villains. We've seen the Joker too many times. I don't want to see the Joker. Two, that fucking laugh. Just like, it's to me, it's not iconic anymore. To me, it's annoying and it signals cringe immediately. Um, and just the fact that the Joker... Just in the movie makes no sense to me. I wish they wouldn't have done that. The camera angles they chose, mm-hmm. I'm like, Matt Reeves did not direct this scene. There's no way he directed that portion. It just did not feel like the rest of the movie. That At that moment, I was like, oh, I forgot that we're in Warner Brothers extended universe. <laughs> like we're, we're not in the extended universe, but yeah, for sure. But like, it felt it, like it can yeah. feel, it, 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 it did feel a little. Like, oh, this is a stu- like they want you to put Joker in your trilogy yeah. because, of course, I watched the interview though where he was talking about why the Joker's in the movie, and there's actually like another scene they filmed in the middle of the movie that had Joker? where Batman was gonna go and it was gonna be like killing joke situation, yeah, where like he goes to Arkham and he has to get in the head of Riddler, and so he asks joker like hannibal lecter style like what he's thinking but like the joker's not supposed to be the fully formed joker yet either kind of like how penguin's not fully formed or Mm -hmm. catwoman's not fully formed you know everyone in this world's becoming what they will be um but like it doesn't sound like he wants joker to be like a main driver in these movies he just wants the character to exist in the world because you I mean, Batman kind of hinges on the Joker's mm-hmm. existence. And if he makes a big deal out of it in a sequel, I feel like there's pressure to make him the main villain. So I actually do like that they put him in there just to like show that he's there and that he's, you know, of course, uh, trying to make things happen with other villains. But I think that we will see someone like Hush or like oh, yes. fucking... Uh, other other villains mm-hmm. take the main seat because I think Matt Reeves is more interested in yeah. in doing new storylines. So I'm not too bugged by the Joker scene. I definitely when I was watching it, I was worried, and I will I will give you that that the mm-hmm. laugh does not really do it for me anymore. And I I don't think a lot of people are gonna walk out of that scene and think like oh hype, you know. Yeah. It's just more like I I'm I I definitely am of the mind that I need to defend its inclusion because it's not actually all that cool. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just I felt the movie could have done without it. If they had cut that scene, you know, it wouldn't have changed shit. It wouldn't yeah. change shit. Yeah. I, I Matt Reeves did explain though that like Catwoman says something about like why she wants to leave. Like it's just gonna get worse. Right. And like right. Matt Reeves was like, "Here's proof." Yeah, and I like that <laughs> yeah. line of thinking. I, I just don't think it. I, yeah, it's not been executed very well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I it, we're just too close to Joaquin Phoenix. 
Joker cringe. Yeah. That I, I, I just really don't want to see that character right now. Same. I, I am so happy that Matt Reeves is thinking about these things, though. He really does. It feels like they all sat down and read a shit ton of Batman comics and yeah. looked at Batman like lore and stuff. And um, it's interesting. I like it a lot. He listed his influences. I mean, I, I, <sighs> yeah. I, I've definitely started reading some of those comics, and I'm like, wow, yeah, yeah. you're a fan. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, fuck. Um, anything else to add? Uh, the, oh, the score. Oh, the is amazing. fuck yes. Yeah, like Best I was of Nirvana as well. <laughs> yeah, amazing Nirvana song. Like that was definitely a deep cut Nirvana song before this movie. So mm-hmm. congratulations, it's a TikTok trending song right. now. That Kurt Cobain's so happy. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the the score in this film, Batman's theme especially, really oh, took me by surprise. Yes. With just how enveloped i was in it and i'm a i'm a hoe for a good light motif and just when those four notes would come like oh fuck but the the whole score was amazing all of the diegetic music like for once you're in a club and it sounds appropriate you know it (laughs) sounds like shit they would be playing in an actually popular club right yeah the, the all of that shit was awesome I yeah, I'm really enveloped with the score of this movie, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it or wow, or the cool. cinematography. I actually quite oh, like the cinematography, despite the lens uh, yeah. effect that you're mentioning. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, and Michael Giacchino, man, he's yeah. a god, god tier, god tier composer. Uh, this is yeah. I mean, this is just probably my favorite superhero movie to come out in a long time. <sighs> yeah, you know, it's good. It it definitely beats out most of the MCU for me. I mean, not to compare those two because well, they're not meant to be compared, but, but I just I mean, enjoy a good standalone superhero movie. I do too, and I love I love where this is going. Give me give me some more. Papa give me some Reeves. more. I want I want Hush in the next movie. That'd oh. be cool. That'd be cool. That'd be awesome. But yeah, um, loved it. Tell us what you think in the comments below or on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have some fun little polls running maybe about it, and. And that was our show. That was our show. Thank you so much for tuning in this hour to hear our critics talk about the their spoiler review of the Batman. And tune in next week to hear Sophie's choice. Well, they'll go ahead and decide what she what she should have picked. <laughs> They're gonna do that now. <laughs> They're going to be objective. An in-depth analysis of Sophie's choice next episode. <laughs> and decide if, if her choice was correct. Sophie's choice, colon. Well, anyway, here's what I would have done. <laughs> nice. That's what we're